Hi, everybody. This is Kara Fitzgerald at New Frontiers in Functional Medicine. I would not be here month in and month out for the past six years without the generous support of our sponsors. And I want to tell you about them and please check out their websites and check their products out. Biotics Research. For over 40 years, the foundation of biotics research has been innovation and quality. Their goals remain unchanged. Innovative ideas, carefully researched concepts, and product development with advanced analytical and manufacturing techniques. Biotics nutritional products are of superior quality and effectiveness and available exclusively to healthcare professionals. Visit them at bioticsresearch.com. Integrative Therapeutics. Integrative Therapeutics is focused on inspiring a better lifestyle through better health. By providing meticulously formulated nutritional supplements and valuable resources, Integrative Therapeutics promises to enrich your patients and embolden your practice. Welcome to your Integrative Therapeutics. Find them at integrativepro.com. And finally, I want to give a shout out to my friends over at Rupa Health. They make lab testing easy, fabulous, doable for both you, the clinician, and you, the person being prescribed the lab, the patient. Consider using Rupa as just a super, super, super smart solution to all your laboratory needs. Visit them at rupahealth.com. Hi, everybody. Welcome to New Frontiers in Functional Medicine, where we are interviewing the best minds in functional medicine. And of course, today is no exception. I'm really, really, really excited to be here with my colleague and my friend, Sergey Young. Let me tell you a little bit about this amazing human, uh, and you'll be as excited as I am, quite frankly. He is a longevity investor and visionary with a mission to extend healthy lifespans of at least 1 billion people. That's awesome. To do that, Sergey founded the Longevity Vision Fund to accelerate life extension, technological breakthroughs, and to make longevity affordable and accessible to all. Sergey is on the board of directors of the American Federation of Aging Research, innovation board member at XPRIZE, and one of the co-creators of Age Reversal XPRIZE, a global competition designed to cure aging. He's also a top 100 longevity leader who is transforming the world, one workplace at a time with Longevity at Work, the first nonprofit corporate longevity program of its kind. As the author of the actually triple best-selling book, you have it double in your bio, you'll have to update that, The Longevity Science and Technology of Growing Young. Sergey has been featured on, as a top longevity expert all over the news media and um, you know, just really in the world of longevity, you're everywhere. So welcome to New Frontiers. I'm so excited to bring you into the functional medicine world. Hi, Kara. Hi, everyone. I'm so excited to be here with you today. Well, let's dive right in and, you know, tell me why this is such longevity science is so exciting and important. Look, um, I think what we've done so far, I mean, if you look at the evolution of uh, medicine, you know, healthcare and human beings, everything we've been working with on was just a life extension we were just moving the average lifespan by avoiding or fighting early death so that's why yes. if you look for the last hundred years you know obviously the average lifespan increased twofold from 35 40 to 75 80 years but what has happened the maximum lifespan which is as far as i know 122 years thanks thanks to this 
beautiful French uh, woman is still the same. And I think this is the first time in the history of humanity when we have scientific breakthroughs and technological discoveries which can help us actually to reverse aging. Moreover, it actually mother nature already provides for that. And then that's why I'm always using your book and your study as an example how in eight weeks you can turn the biological clocks by 3.2 years, as far as I recall. Mm -hmm. and, and this is amazing. If, if, if this is what you can do with diet, sleep, and exercise, think about what we can do in terms of the age reversal, actual age reversal, yeah. when we take more science and more technology there. So I'm like super excited. I think it's amazing. And, and think about this. I'm not a doctor. I'm, I'm not a biotech scientist. It's such a, I'm an investor. So it's such a rare opportunity for me as a human being to touch so many other lives. Yeah. And you already mentioned that my mission is to change 1 billion lives. You know, actually my resolution for this year, I need to redefine my mission because very quickly we, we invest in early cancer diagnostic, gene editing, gene therapy, uh, organ regeneration, use of AI for drug discovery. It's such a huge number of people which are going to be influenced by all these technologies. So I actually need to redefine my mission. You know, wow. while if like 10, 20 years ago, and when you think about gene therapy and gene editing, it was in the field literally for a group of, you know, handful, like five or 10 people that you can test it and then you can use it with um, certain approvals from regulators. Right now, whatever field you take, whether it's early diagnostic or organ regeneration or regenerative medicine or genetic engine therapy, these are billions of people that we can uh, uh, influence in a positive way. So I'm like super excited. Uh, this is my personal goal. This is passion of mine. And that's why I'm here. Yay, I love it. I just love your infectious energy. You know, folks, <laughs> we, we did an Instagram together a while ago. I've, I've been following you on social and actually we've been talking for quite a while and I just love it. I love your infectious energy and your, and your positivity. I mean, your cup is always overflowing. It's not just full, it's just <laughs> overflowing. And I just love Thank it. You. I mean, that energy is essential, I think, to bringing your mission forward. And I, and a lot of people look at the sort of biohacking anti-aging community as kind of elite and, you know, sort of Silicon Valley biohackers and, and it is, and that is a piece of it. Yeah. But there's this other, there's an incredibly important undercurrent that you're capturing in your mission. And that is that, yeah, these technologies right now are expensive. And, you know, it is a remarkably expensive journey to actually get these ready for everybody else. But that is your end game. And that is, you know, that's, that's where you're going with your mission. And I think a lot of people have that as an end game as well. And I, I just, agree. I want to under, under, underline that for people to hear yeah. that. So we actually, we don't invest in technologies. We don't see uh, the affordability and, and accessibility aspect of it. And oh, sometimes, uh, you know, let's be clear. Sometimes, you know, some of the things are going to be super expensive. Like um, I'm always using the example of cell phones. 25 years ago, you know, yeah. it was, uh, you know, huge piece of luggage cost $10,000 plus. Right now, you just take 14 minutes train from Hong Kong to Shenzhen, and you can buy you know, a new smartphone for $9 on the electronic market in China. 
right? Yeah. So this is the democratization path that we've seen in so many different industries as well. And we've seen it in healthcare. And I'm so happy to report like almost every company that we invest in, and we invested in 18 companies already mm-hmm. um, in, the, in the fields that I mentioned, brings 10, 20, 50, not percent times improvement against the cost of current practice. You know, I'm obviously, wow. um, people criticize me for being idealistic and optimistic. So you always need to have like a balancing view. So I'm, I'm worrying about uh, uh, that, but <clears throat> early cancer diagnostic, uh, the company called Freenome, it's very similar to brain in certain kind of uh, patient facing aspect. Uh, you're gonna pay just a few hundred dollars for testing well, first few types of cancer, and then in the end, up to 50 types of cancer using liquid biopsy, your blood test. Yeah. And it's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Think about any other procedures that you need to, uh, you know, undertake and undergo when you try to catch cancer at early stage, when your recovery rates in, in many cases is up to 90 to 100%. Um, so, I mean, that's yeah. amazing. Or Incredible. affordable ultrasound devices. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a company called EcoImaging, probably somewhere around $2,000 a piece, compares with $100,000 or $200,000 for uh, ultrasound machine in the hospital next door. And I understand they are different. It's okay. Everything, you can even do the scan yourself. Everything goes to cloud. And then, you know, and then it's AI which analyzes this whole scan. Cool. You know, scan you know, 50 yeah. times cheaper than this bulky thing that you still need for, um, uh, you know, in the hospital settings, but still you think about how many people we can help on a remote location or thinking about the affordability aspect. And I can go on and on like yeah. organ regeneration technology. We, we can cover this today, but I'm so excited that the democratization of access to healthcare is not a words, but it, we really mean it. And all of these companies, they are just one or three or five years from being available to the public. So I'm very excited about this whole thing as well. I will like to, I'd like to follow the company that's doing the liquid biopsy because I know they're looking at probably DNA methylation patterns, which I'm obviously I'm really interested in from my own work. But yeah, that's, that's great. And I, I, that's an essential point. Hey there, listeners. It's your host, Dr. Kara Fitzgerald. I have a question for you. How much time do you spend ordering functional lab tests for your patients? I bet it's a lot. Ordering from multiple lab companies for hundreds of patients can quickly turn into hours of admin time. But there's a new way to order lab tests I'm excited to share with you. Rupa Health is a tool that lets you order from over 30 specialty labs in a single portal. You can order all the tests you normally do from companies like Dutch, Vibrant, Genova, and Great Plains, and so many more. Imagine you're ordering a hormone panel for a patient that includes tests from three different labs. You have to log onto three different websites, place separate orders, come back weeks later to check on tracking numbers, download results, et cetera, et cetera. Rupa eliminates all of that by having all ordering, tracking results in a single place, and they also handle invoicing, uh, tracking shipments, automated follow-ups, personalized instructions for completing tests, and much more. The best part about Rupa is that it is free for you. Go to rupahealth.com, that's R-U-P-A health.com, and join a live demo or sign up to see how it works. Now let's get back to today's show. 
so you opened up our conversation talking about, you know, addressing diseases with drug intervention. So we've extended longevity because we've got some antibiotics and, you know, we can do stent procedures and so forth. So we've extended longevity as compared to, you know, the, the 19th century when people were dying from infectious mm -hmm. diseases. We are actually, as you know, losing uh, uh, longevity, you know, post COVID and, you know, we're, we're, we're losing some years, especially in the United States. I think actually we're ahead of the, ahead of the pack as usual in that arena. <laughs> um, but we did bring it forward up to, I think we're like at 76 now, maybe 75. Um, by doing some sort of heroic interventions and having antibiotics. Uh, but you talked about life extension in humans being 120. And I know perhaps beyond, I know people are talking about escape velocity or immortality, not that we need to necessarily yeah. go there, but yeah. so there is something about disease prevention and then there's actually life extension and those things are different. So I, I, I just, I have, I'm gonna throw a few questions out at you, mm -hmm. starting with that you know, is aging a disease? Um, I'm curious about your thoughts there. Extending life to 120 versus just disease pre prevention. And then is aging, um, do you consider it, this is my wild card, also programmed? I mean, is this something that's baked yeah. in? Are we baked in to go to, go to 120 and stop? Yeah. And with all these questions I've thrown at you, again, articulate your approach and what we need to be doing. Okay, great. Uh, all of these great questions. So, um, well, let's start with um, aging as a disease, right? We all know that when we turn 40, 45, 50, when the aging processes uh, start in our body, uh, with every year, your chances to die uh, from, you know, four main diseases, which is cancer, heart disease, diabetes, or metabolic diseases and neurogenerative diseases are increasing exponentially. And in the end, it's like 90% of all deaths after yes. age of 50. So there is something going on. Uh, and, you know, obviously, you know, aging is a, is a huge, and age uh, is a huge risk factor for all of these diseases. So this gives us an understanding. This is much uh, more systematic than just some sporadic occurrence of, yeah. you know, all of this. Uh, and uh, just a lot of suffering uh, that is brought to our life when aging starts in our body and, and in our mind. So that's one. Second, we humans, we always tend to think like where we are today is the essence, is the top of the mountain of our development. But in the end of the day, if you, if you think about our life cycle, the science and technology gonna progress and progress and progress. So while we think it's really unusual and it's crazy idea to reverse aging by lifestyle intervention or in combination of lifestyle intervention and science and technology, it's crazy, but it is feasible. So it's yeah. gonna be a norm in the next 10, 20, 30 years while we can fundamentally change your risk profile in terms of dying from all these diseases by influencing um aging process or slowing down or even reversing aging processes inside your body so that's why i do think aging is a disease and i think the fact that fda and a lot of regulators all around the world um are not recognizing this as a disease 
prevents us from making breakthroughs in this field. Because think yeah. about cancer. Cancer is, is 80 to 100 billion dollars R&D investment every year. Aging and aging research is two to four billion dollars every year. So it's like 2%. Well, yeah. we, we, we all know if you influence that, your risk profile in terms of cancer and many other diseases is gonna be much, much lower. So yeah. I don't think it's fair, uh, but the idea is, and the problem is that we don't have a viable uh, regulatory and, and economic model to support investment in aging research. And I, I know what I'm talking about because I'm on the board of American Federation of Aging Research. And we're always thinking, you know, how we can stimulate by different changes in regulation and um, uh, scientific work, uh, this interest to that. But let me tell you, uh, and I'm gonna be intentionally provocative here because this is my job. My job is to expand the horizons of thinking specifically with you know, all these beautiful men and women you're working with, uh, which is part of our audience today because mm -hmm. they know better that um, something needs to change in the definition of healthcare which is some people call sick care. And I say it with a lot yeah. of love, right? Uh, um, that we have um, today. So what's gonna happen in 20 years is, you know, we obviously, we will be able to select our target age. You know, I don't think it's gonna be possible if you are 60 to pick up, you, I, you know, I wanna be three years old. So it's, you know, <laughs> there are moments in my life where I want to make this choice, uh, joke. But in the end of the day, if you think about target age that we would, you know, majority of us, we would love to use, it's anywhere between 25 and 45 years, okay? And uh, I'm also on the board of XPRIZE Foundation. We've done a lot of pro bono technological competition all around the world. We actually know the first XPRIZE is Virgin Galactic. The first competition well, was to create the first private spaceship. And then Richard Branson bought the rights for this uh, spaceship. We've done uh, two X-Prizes with Elon Musk already. The last, last one was carbon removal to remove carbon from the atmosphere. So I'm a big fan and supporter and, and sponsor of the design, the Healthspan X-Prize. And I can tell you like what we thinking about uh, putting there as a, as a uh, conditions and terms for the winning team is to reverse aging by 20 years in the course of 12 months, reversing biological clocks by 20 years for someone who is 65 years old and older. Well, let's see how it goes. And then the, we, and, uh, so we're gonna, in few decades from now, we're gonna have a choice which particular target age we would like to have while we are about to make this age reversal intervention. And again, I'm always using your work and your book, Kara. Thank As you. an example, like people think it just, it's impossible and you need to wait for some big technology to arrive. But again, I mean, it's fascinating. Eight weeks, sleep, diet, exercise, probably would be a little bit of um, uh, supplementation, which is part of nutrition, minus three years. I mean, it's amazing. So this mechanism exists. It's not like it's just crazy people from Silicon Valley or from Boston would like to invent it. So this is amazing. And then finally, like, why do we age? You know, I'm obviously we have Gruda Cromer, the, uh, the creator of Hallmarks of Aging Framework on our um, scientific advisory board and, and a lot of great names. Like we don't know what we don't know, but I, I'm, so I have three degrees and the first degree is chemical engineering. I can tell you that if 
aging and human health would have one silver bullet, then it's either mother nature or human mind would find the solution already. So this is not the case. Human biology is probably is one of the most complex thing in this slide. So that's why I'm pretty sure it's combination of factors, combination of hallmarks, mm. you know, from genetic and then epigenetic mm. and then, mm. you know, metabolic exchange and, uh, you know, senescent cells, uh, mm -hmm. how our immune system work, which actually combines in a, in a complex of problems, which results in aging. I just want to say for our listeners that we'll grab that Hallmarks of Aging, the newest paper from, from the team. And we actually, we have a, a plain language blog where we walked through all of those hallmarks. Um, so we'll pop that on the show notes so that you can access those. Um, all right. So let me ask you this. You said so much. <laughs> you said a lot. But I first want to say, though, so the hallmarks of aging, when I look at, um, well, our study is an example in that we really targeted changing epigenetic expression, like the whole brick by brick. It's diet and lifestyle. It's not going to take a 60-year-old back to being 20. It's diet yeah. and lifestyle. Yeah. Um, and that's 100% that's fine. It's diet and lifestyle. But building it brick by brick to direct epigenetic traffic, I think, was our kind of our, our, you know, our stroke, our stroke of brilliance, if you will. But now let's leap to what Sinclair is doing, what they're doing, I think, over at Altos, which I, I want to hear you, I want to hear your comments on what's happening over at Altos yeah. Lab. This is the Bezos Lab with, um, you know, Horvath is there now, Yamanaka mm -hmm. is there, yeah. Morgan Levine, et cetera, et cetera. So everybody, so, so we, and we know, you know, elsewhere, you know, I, I, I think it was University of Cambridge where they took 53-year-old skin cells and reversed them in, in vitro mm -hmm. to 20-year-olds. Um, to so this is happening. They're all directing traffic at, they're all changing gene expression using Yamanaka factors, um, and which suggests that root cause aging may be epigenetic. There are other scientists who think root cause aging could be epigenetic, but mm -hmm. that, that, but then the hallmarks of aging are clearly you know, either directly influenced after gene expression, or maybe they're influencing gene expression. Maybe that answer isn't no. known, but I'm curious no. your thoughts on epigenetics no. as root cause. Um, and we're, I mean, clearly turning back the hands of time pretty aggressively. So that's one. So give me your thoughts there, and then I'm curious if you're able mm -hmm. to share about your the X Prize, you know, that you're that you're giving this year, and if you have any, you know, who the contestants are, like who you think might actually be doing this, and how they're measuring bioage. Yeah. Ahead. So, um, I, well, I actually think epigenetic reprogramming is uh, is one of the most promising avenues, and that's just reconfirm what you mentioned. You know, uh, covering the work of so many great uh, men and women uh, all around the world and in the U.S. as well. So I'm very optimistic about this whole thing. Um, I also think that. Um, I would like to have more hypothesis and more work in the theories of aging as well. So think about biological clocks, right? We have plenty of development in this field, right? So every time we talk about biological clocks, we have a choice or, you know, we can always build a portfolio of different dimensions, right? To define biological age. And this yeah, is what we need. Right. This is what we need in the science of aging as well. So we obviously, I mean, it's, it's a great frame, framework to organize our thinking, we, you know, which is hallmark of aging, which we've been discussing um, 
recently. But in the end of the day, I wouldn't mind more thoughts in this field as well. So which brings us to the other topic. And I also mentioned that. I think the signs of aging, uh, this is very underinvested space. And we already discussed that regulators, you know, uh, do not necessarily support that. So there's no way you can, you know, put, put your commercial money there and, uh, and uh, pay them back within a certain like IP protection period. And uh, that's why our definition of, of uh, longevity in longevity vision fund, we, we invest only in viable economic models uh, which exist today. Whether it's you know fighting cancer, uh, different uh, you know ideas around regeneration of organs and organs replacement, genetic engine therapy, so they need to fight something which exists today. Biotics research. I've been using them in practice my entire entire career. Um, I know my good friend Alex Vasquez is a product designer over there, and he puts together some brilliant formal formulations. In fact. You know, lots of people participate in their fabulous designs. They have some of the best gut uh, botanical combinations out there that have been researched as effective in IBS. We use them in SIBO. They have perhaps the best form of oregano oil, ADP. It's an enteric coated uh, product that you know, we've been using in practice since it was first released. Um, they've got serum bovine immunoglobulin. They've got a host of fabulous probiotics with um, good efficacy and uh, adequate potency, sufficient potency. So anyway, check them out. And you can patent, but also it should have yeah. a, a massive side effect, which is longevity side effect. And like, if you ask me, I would love to invest directly in, in the longevity and age um, reversal and age science space, but I cannot bring commercial money into this field. And, and the lack of commercial interest actually drives this under, under investment stage. Then, so I'm, yeah, I'm obviously embrace the idea of like Altislab and some, yeah. of the, some of the work which is done uh, by a lot of pioneers in this space, including David Sinclair, who's a good friend. We invested in a few of his companies as well. So um, uh, this is great. And um, I'm also um, mindful that whatever comes from technology um, sector um, brings uh, its kind of engineering aspect and engineering view on human body and biology. So it's so tempting to think about our biology is just set of like, you know, binary signals, zero and one, and combination of this is biology. So, and, and we've seen this approach to fail or uh, perform not to the expectations, like in case of uh, Google and Calica, unless mm -hmm. I don't know something. <clears throat> and let's see how it goes without us. But I think just betting using the certain proportion of your wealth and in case of uh, Jeff Bezos and Yuri Milner, who is behind mm -hmm. Altus as well, just yeah. a small piece of it to try to move a needle in this, in, in, in this such a promising avenue uh, as a epigenetic reprogramming uh, uh, is a great thing for the benefits of society and the world. I'm not sure if this is going to be commercial. I'm not sure if they're going to be successful because what we've seen in, <clears throat> we actually invest in more with the East Coast and like Boston ecosystem 
rather than Silicon Valley and like this IT and tech ecosystem, because there is always temptation to think about this biological problem in engineering terms. Mm. And I'm not sure if we're there yet. Um, having said that, I embrace every money, commercial, non-commercial, government, you know, uh, pro bono uh, grants, which comes into the space, because I, I think we need to invest and specifically in the US, I think you, in the previous question, you mentioned very important point. Uh, and again, I say it with a lot of love. If you think about US healthcare system, it's the most expensive and the most inefficient healthcare system in the world. With 18% yeah. of uh, GDP spent on healthcare, and even pre-COVID, three out yeah. of five years, we've seen um, average lifespan or life expectancy decreasing, not yeah, increasing. That's right. So why is that? UK spends 8% on healthcare. Singapore yeah. spends 5% uh, on healthcare. And Singapore and Japan, I think, are the two countries on earth with the highest um, um, average lifespan. I mean, there's something wrong and, and there's something that we need to change there as well. And if you ask me, I actually think that the change will come not from existing players. That's why we're very supportive of this technology. They disrupt in this space. The yes, change yes. will come from, you know, who knows, probably big tech or some other players. And I'm obviously very mindful about the role of uh, big tech in this world. I think that you know, it's really dominating. I have my own questions how this needs to be regulated and balanced. But if you ask me, uh, yeah, there is a scenario that in 10 years from now, the largest healthcare companies on earth are going to be called Google, Apple, and Microsoft. So even though on one hand you're here, you're in the East Coast where your, your investments, yeah. um, you still have your eyes open clearly on the West Coast and Silicon Valley. I want to just say, I want to, I want to get your thoughts. I, I, there's a lot of things that I want to say that I want to unpack. Um, you know, there's huge healthcare inequality in our country. And so when you tease out the demographic of who's living, I think, I think across the board, life expect. I know, I know in the latest study that I read across the board, socioeconomic race, every, all of us are losing ground in this country, but you can see huge differences between oh, yeah. African-Americans, Hispanic-Americans and yeah. so forth. So I, there, there's, healthcare inequality here is a fundamental issue. And I'd like your thoughts. I think you, you're already answering your thoughts yeah, because, yeah. because fundamental to your mission is making it available to everybody. Mm -hmm. And this, and this cost, you know, this bringing the cost down considerably. I, I just love that. So there's I, like, I want your thoughts there, but I also want to hear why, why, so we are, we're investing billions of dollars. The NIH is this extraordinary institute that has everything siloed you know, so all the chronic diseases of aging are being aggressively researched. I think they're pretty well funded. You can speak mm -hmm. to that if you agree or not. And, and that, but we, but we aren't willing to sort of to unify them and put that money towards aging. And you know better than anybody why there's such enormous resistance to this concept when we can look at the data on aging as the driver of these chronic diseases and it dwarfs it. So if we're looking at cancer, if we're looking at lung cancer and smoking, smoking is nothing compared to aging. Like, I don't understand why, why, why the aha, why, the, why hasn't the light bulb gone off at NIH? Yeah, uh, well, that's a huge topic. Uh, first of all, I 
hate the idea of inequality in terms of the access to healthcare. Yeah. <clears throat> and I don't know, uh, was it Jeffrey Bland or someone else study like for two zip codes, we, we, which are neighboring, right? In one area, you can have the uh, life expectancy difference of up to 15 years. And, and, it, and it's even worth, uh, worse in, in the UK. There in some of the um, parts of London, it's like 17 years. Why is that? And obviously, as, uh, as someone, and I'm pretty sure it's a mission for all of us, I mean, we don't want to have it in a country with, with this kind of resources and scientific capital, right, and technological breakthroughs. Why is that? And I think it's um, one thing you can work on is trying to, you know, bridge this gap. And the other thing you can work on is a massive democratization and and creating like this whole technology-based version of healthcare, uh, which can be offered to everyone. And, and I choose to work on this second mission because the um, these improvement rates are times, times more uh, uh, than, uh, you know, any other avenues that I can take. And um, that's what I like. So I, it's, it's almost like trying to work on equal access to cell phones 20 years ago. Yes. While you can work on technology and just make it like democratize it uh, to the extent that you want. So that's one. Um, second piece of it, um, I think there is, a, and I'm not a citizen of the US, I'm European. I have European uh, passport and I'm, uh, I'm from there. So I, I don't have full rights to talk about internal US problems. But again, and this, that's why every time I tell about this, I, I say that I, I, you know, I do it with a lot of love. But I think there's certain mismatch between the global nature of American business and the state-by-state state nature of regulation. I mean, sometimes they just, you know, non-comparable. It's very difficult to bring, you know, people's agenda to the regulation. And um, business has huge incentives to produce not organic, but non-organic, you know, meat and fish and vegetables. And we can yeah. go, you know, on and on. And that's Diseases why your study makes yeah, money. Yeah. Disease yeah, makes money. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, and and that's that's the case. But last, you know, last thing I want to do is just to spend, you know, decades of my life in the courts and spending, you know, uh, all my money to fight with the big business. But if you look at your study, just a, just a thought. Like in in so many cases, uh, you mentioned uh, organic, right? Trying to look for organic sources. Uh, it's obviously a little bit more expensive, sometimes two times more expensive. But if you if you load this with the then subsequent cost of healthcare that you need to take, I mean, who knows if organic is actually inexpensive in comparison to you know uh, between healthy Cancer. and <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So in this case, I think we are as human beings, we always focus on today. While the whole life cycle and healthcare cycle is uh, through the whole life of you know every citizen, including U.S. citizen as well, and and finally, I think for every big idea, it takes time to to embrace it and to um, for the government entities and for people who are in charge of politics to to get it, to embrace it, to start thinking that way. So. And I think your work, my work, 
work of so many people that we know and in our audience is just you know spread this word and uh, see how the world has changed and uh, and i'm a great believer that the quantity of efforts will always result in quality of change so i think it's just a matter of a uh, few years single digit years when it's going to be huge realization if not in the us i know a lot of countries they're usually small uh, countries not in in america who are thinking about ideas of recognizing ages, uh, aging as disease and think about yeah. <clears throat> longevity in the form of the whole nation <clears throat> and you know what some yes. of the crazy people including myself i actually think in 20 30 years from now knowing what i know about science and technology there's no reason for developed country to have healthcare which is uh, which is subject to insurance or co-payment from the citizens. So in other words, my dream, and I see where it's going from science and, and technology perspective, uh, completely democratize healthcare to make it free of charge, part of universal basic income or universal basic set of services. What are we going to do it in the US? I'm not sure. The balance of power sometimes is not in our favor. But I'm pretty sure we're going to see more and more countries on Earth, uh, which are going to work towards this idea. And obviously, technology and science, you know, will help in democratization of access to that. Yeah, yeah, amen. It just seems to me that the kind of passion and energy behind cracking this nut, you know, behind recognizing aging as the biggest risk factor for all the chronic disease, the energy behind this from you, you know, from you know, the, the, the people investing in the Altos lab and the scientists there, you know, Peter Diamandis, I saw who's, you know, the X prize with you. He presented at A4M. I, I lectured at A4M and he, he was, he was there on the main stage. It's all, and, and he's so inspirational. You know, I mean, it's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of really brilliant minds wrapping their, energy around cracking this nut. So I, I agree with you that there may be a big aha to be had, and it may happen in the smaller countries. I, I, I agree with you on that as well, where, you know, there's a real paradigm shift and then, you know, maybe the U.S. will be dragged kicking and screaming towards the future. You know, maybe, maybe our, our government will. Yeah. Yeah. It's okay. I mean, for a lot of big corporations, the innovation, uh, innovations uh, happening outside this corporation. So for some of the you know, big countries, uh, they would just need to, you know, look at uh, other countries' examples. That's why, you know, I'm in UAE, I'm mm -hmm. in Saudi Arabia, I'm in Singapore, I'm in Japan. So, well, let's see how it goes. But the good news about US that it's always great in like, you know, looking at the best examples, even outside the ecosystem and trying to bring it back to the country. So I'm really hopeful of that. Um I want to just circle back to, um, I have to be mindful, mindful of our time. I, I have a lot of questions for you. I just wanted to color in because I think people might have some questions around this. You talk about, you talked about Google Calico failing, and I just wanted you to describe Calico and what they were doing and, and, and why they didn't succeed. 
Here is big news. Great Plains Laboratory is now Mosaic Diagnostics. Mosaic Diagnostics is where functional medicine practitioners turn to reveal the complete picture of their patients' underlying illnesses through evidence-based diagnostic testing. Get to know Mosaic Diagnostics by visiting mosaicgiveaway.com. Licensed practitioners can enter to win Mosaic's Business Booster Giveaway. It's $875 worth of test discounts, supplements, free educational passes, and a one-hour massage for your self-care. Visit mosaicgiveaway.com for your chance to win. Yeah, so when I mentioned Google Calico, I said they either failed or has not performed to the public expectations, right? Yeah. So it might easily be a second case, right? Or something is happening there, we just don't know there. And like next month, they will come up with something great. Uh, so that's one. Second- but Who are I was they? Right, Can you just define them for our, who they are for our-, yeah, our yeah. So, our well, this is the uh, huge platform inside the Google when they attracted uh, great scientists, great entrepreneurs, great. and they were trying to crack the code of aging. And I think investments announced there were uh, up to $3 billion. They started back in 2013. It's almost like 10 years from now. And, yeah. uh, and um, uh, I don't remember that we've seen anything fundamental or radical came out from it. So why is that? And the answer is very simple. I don't know, because they, they were so protective of yeah, everything which is happening there. And like, even when I was writing the book, this um, science and technology of growing young, you know, I actually trying to interview people from Calica and with one exception, which is in the book, I'm not going to mention it. Um, yeah. Um, it was just silence there. Like, you know, talk about, you know, all the people in our field, whether it's technologists, entrepreneurs, companies, you know, regulators, uh, scientists, um, People are very kind of talkative. They talk about like what they do, what's the outcome of that, what is their budget or investment required, what's their dream, what's their mission as well. We haven't seen it. And part of the explanation, I, I'm not sure Google actually needs my explanation. It's a great company, done a lot of breakthroughs in so many uh, uh, in so many uh, areas of um, of human life. Uh, a part of this, like when you work in technology, you need to be like super secretive about what you're doing. Uh, because it's it's a really difficult competitive situation. So probably they, they took the same lenses in terms of uh, confidentiality to this project, which I think, uh, remember my earlier point about the complexity of human biology? And yeah. I think human biology uh, uh, problem uh, and, and challenge is not going to be solved by one person in one location. It's going to be a lot of, collaboration for so many of us. And I'm not doing this. I'm actually enabler of it. I'm supporting this with what I have. You know, I've done investments for 20 years. I had my personal life crisis seven years ago. And because of that, I thought, okay, I want to support development of the space. So I, I went to my investors and they trusted me on my previous work and allowed me to create this longevity vision fund. And I'm very proud of it. But it's in the end of the day, it's a hard work of scientists, entrepreneurs, technologists, and um, you know, healthcare workers who made all the change. I'm just trying to enable that and bring bring 
just a little bit of vision there and like a dream, what, what we can have in the 10, 20 years to expand our horizons. It's awesome. It's very, it's just really, really exciting. So um, I've got so many more questions. We're just going to have, a, <laughs> I have to have a part two. I, because I, we completely digress, we diverted. Our entire conversation has been a, a diversion from my original set of things that I wanted to talk to you about. So we'll have to have a part two. Um, let me think. I want to know, so you're investing in things that are going to be ready for real time soon. So I want to get your idea on what we should be thinking about as accessible to us and what we should be using now. Mm -hmm. um, I'd like to hear your thoughts on longevity drugs, fold it into that, yeah. where you're at with rapamycin. I know there's finally some human research happening where you're yeah. at with metformin. We were you know, metformin in healthy individuals, not just metformin for um, type two diabetics. And so, so yeah, talk, talk to me about mm -hmm. that. What, what's ready for prime time or very close to be ready for prime time and the drugs. Okay, so time to market for our companies uh, varies from one year to 10 years. So I need to, and, and the framework that I use in the book is, well, there's something which is available now and we'll come back to that in a minute. And then there is what I call a near horizon of longevity innovations. And we're going to cover this today. And then there's something very futuristic, 25, 50 years from now, when we are then, it's going to be a combination of man and machine. And, you know, a lot of changes in us as a, you know, biological uh, species. But we'll, we'll come back to that if we have time. So what is available now? now? And this is very interesting. And this is what a lot of people find discouraging when they think about longevity. So I think, you know, if you want to extend your lifespan and health span today uh, or reverse staging, majority of, of means that you have is a lifestyle intervention. Yeah. And I love it. I mean, in the end of the day, obviously it's, uh, it's great to have like a magic pill that you take and then you know, become five, 10 years younger. But in the end of the day, it's a result of your own discipline and hard work and your healthy choices in all of these fields. Um, that are it gives you the opportunity to stay on what we call a longevity bridge. So you need to you need to stay healthy and happy for the next five ten years before you can embrace the, this whole outcome of innovation process and progress, Got which it. is happening today. You're walking the longevity so, bridge, folks. All of us are absolutely. on the longevity bridge as we wait for this technology. Okay, keep going. <laughs> absolutely, but but also take a look what is available now. I think the, the medical diagnostic is a, is a huge field. And this is where arrival of AI yeah. is an amazing thing. Like, you know, my, the most important day of your life every year is not your birthday, but day of your medical screening. This is what I'm always telling. So mine was, um, yeah, a week ago in Human Longevity Center in, uh, in San Diego. Last three years, uh, you know, we had a discussion with radiologists with my doctor, but before that, it was artificial intelligence, which were scanning, well, we're looking at the scans you know, from three Tesla, full body MRI. Uh, and it's been amazing. So combination, so human radiologists looking at the scans, uh, working under pressure, and that's unfortunately the norm for the doctor's community today, can identify, well, let's, let's look at the breast cancer uh, early stage, uh, breast cancer in 34% of cases. And you can understand that. I mean, it's a human eye, it's a scan, and it's early stage. So you don't know whether it's, you know, yes or no, uh, mm -hmm. or you don't even see that. 
But because AI has been trained on 100,000 and now millions of different scans, it can actually, you know, connect the dots and see, well, it's very likely what I've seen in thousand cases before that, it actually early stage breast cancer. And it's, it can do it in 94% of cases. Yeah. And I'm not kind of mutually exclusive guy. So I'm not saying like it's either human intelligence or artificial intelligence. I actually think convergence of this is the way for the future. So I'm not really afraid and, or I'm not questioning like who will win humans or artificial intelligence. I think it's uh, um, a little bit premature to see the risk there. But the use of technology for medical screening I think it's amazing. I think all of these sensors, you know, I can see you wear yeah. or ring. I use yeah. it to measure my sleep. You know, yeah. I use Apple Watch and feel free to use Samsung Watch or uh, Whoop or what, like whatever gadget you like. I mean, it's already our personalized healthcare devices. And, it, and yeah. if you like, I was fascinated with what uh, has been done by Apple. And Apple has a track record of disrupting a lot of space and a lot of different segments. Like, if you literally look at the functionality of your latest Apple Watch, you're going to be amazed what it can do for your health as well. So I actually think, you know, early diagnostic, uh, using your medical screening as your strategic tool to like be really preventative um, about your health, use of sensors. We invested in so many uh, interesting sensor companies. One is this Biolink in San Diego. Um, you know, they can actually measure not only glucose, but number of hormones. Wow. And, and again, uh, this is perfect. I mean, this, I want to know this. Uh, all I'm waiting for is for some of the big players to add here um, uh, glucose monitor. And you see mm -hmm. there was the articles recently that Apple might be working on this technology. I'm not sure this is going to be next year or two, but I'm pretty sure we'll find a way to measure glucose and blood pressure. And then we've done, it's almost like 90% of the information. I want to track real time about my health. Okay, so this is about today. Stay on longevity breach, uh, use sensors, all of these diagnostic devices, and that's it. And the problem is uh, it takes 17 years in the US from something being approved to something which, which majority of population can use, 17. So every time you visit the hospital next door, you're actually traveling back in time. It takes a village to make a good podcast, and this one is no exception. I would not be here month in and month out interviewing the best minds in functional medicine if it wasn't for our generous sponsors. I want to give extra shout out to our diamond level sponsors, Rupa Health and Biotics Research. Rupa Health has taken the functional medicine world by storm because they are taking these functional laboratory testing and making them really easy for us clinicians, as well as for our patients. So we know functional laboratory testing is an essential component of our work with our patients. However, the lab testing, quite frankly, is a pain. Collection is different. Um, we have to fill out various rec forms. Uh, we're sending them all over the place. We're keeping kits in office, et cetera, et cetera. Rupa Health has streamlined this entire journey and I love them for it. And if you haven't started to use Rupa Health, you are in for a great, great, great treat. This is the version of medicine which is 20 years old. Okay. okay. And I I have um uh, clinic, yeah uh, very close to me. I don't want to use that name because they have amazing uh practice there. But like 
I asked them, guys, can you send me like the annual screen protocol? Oh my goodness. And I couldn't believe it. I mean, it's still the same old stuff that we've had 20, 40 years ago. So yeah. you need to be mindful of it. You need to be in the you know, forefront. And if you have an influence on the use of technology in your organization or in your practice, do that. There are so many interesting things happening in this life and, and in the technological field. So that's that's today. Then, well, let's to make it easier, uh, let's talk about what we're going to have in 10 years from now, obviously, plus or minus well, two or three years. And again, remember, I'm like super idealistic optimist. So take it with, uh, with a little bit of <laughs> um, so I'm pretty sure in 10 years from now, we're going to have um, longevity in the pill. And it might be one of the existing drugs. And I'll try to accommodate your question on rapamycin and metformin. Or it can easily be the new drug or substance that we know repurposed for the use in, in nature reversal um, by artificial intelligence. We invested two out of 18 companies in our portfolio. They use artificial intelligence to speed up the first part of um, um, drug discovery and drug development process. Uh, and they can compress it from two years into two months. Well, think right. about what's the disruptive change it's gonna bring to the cost and, and the length of developing the drug. And I'm pretty sure that combination of human intelligence and artificial intelligence will give us an opportunity to be much faster and more efficient drug development. So I still don't know whether it's gonna be like old drug or it's gonna be new drug, but we're gonna see a number of these drugs. So today, if you go to CVS or Walgreens and you're like, can I have something against aging? They will think you're crazy or they will send you to cosmetics or supplements, that's it. In 10 years from now, you can easily be metformin. Um, I like metformin. Um, I, I'm 51, so I'm not taking this. I think it's too early for me because I'm not, I don't have a you know, uh, uh, risk of uh, uh, like, pre, I'm not pre-diabetic. And um, in the end of the day, I'm pretty sure, again, I'm not a doctor. Uh, I'm pretty sure it works for, um, you know, people with the risk of obesity or diabetes. Uh, I'm not sure if it works for the general population, but American Federation of Aging, Near Barzillai, a good friend, amazing uh, scientist, you know, working on the same trial. So it's going to be probably at least 3,000 people tested, like, and, and we're going to see the outcome of this in three to five years from now. And yeah, so it's same, happening. Came trial yeah. is moving forward. Well, yeah, I, I think they're in the final stage of fundraising. And I would not be surprised if this will be launched next year. So, okay. I mean, this is great. Not sure about rapamycin. It's obviously the substance of more complex nature, um, uh, which was created, you know, not necessarily for age reversal as well. But, you know, I, I don't have, uh, you know, I was lucky in genetic lottery, like majority of us. And we actually work a lot um, on specifically on genetic and gene therapy front to help people who were unlucky with genetic lottery, what we call today orphan disease, rare disease. They note that rare, there are 300 million people on earth wow. suffering from rare disease. So they're not that rare. But you know, I was lucky in genetic lottery like many of us. So I'm healthy and happy at the age of 51. I don't think I need to do some, like experiment with my own health. I'm not a, a radical biohacker. And I think if I can avoid with, you know, intervention or wait for this intervention to become a norm, become tested and regulatory approved, 
you know, I would rather wait. So I would just wait for another five, five to 10 years, what will come out of it. So longevity in the pill, second organ regeneration. And like we invest uh, the use of our own lymph nodes supported with stem cells to regrow liver. It's a company called Ligenesis. They're based in Pittsburgh. So with one donor liver, they will be able to help uh, 50 to 70 patients. And you know, the organ transportation, it's, it's a subject for another hour. We have 117,000 people on a waiting list for organ uh, transplants, for donor organs in this country only, in the US. People die while waiting for organs. So, and they just started a human trial. They got FDA approval last year. They've done a lot of trials on different species and they're starting human trials for, uh, sorry, human trials uh, literally next month. Uh, so this is amazing. amazing. Yeah, we're going to see 3D printed organs, obviously two most difficult and I'm not difficult ones. And I'm not sure if we're going to solve it like at all, going to be heart and, and brain. Uh, but at the end of the day, we, we're going to see um, use of uh, animal material uh, in the field of uh, organ regeneration as well. So this is happening. So second piece that we're going to see in 10 years. Think about the old car. We can replace so many parts of the old car, even an engine. And that's the way for us to extend the life of this car. So similar metaphor, uh, we will use for human body, at least. I'm not sure about kind of human brain and soul and spiritual part of it, which is important. Uh, but in the end of the day, I mean, we, uh, we can see some of the bionic parts already. And, and, and we're going to see this more and more until the quantity of these changes will result the quality. Uh, into this. And, and the most exciting, and this is the third piece from what I call a new horizon, sorry. Um, oh my goodness. Uh, what I call the uh, new horizon of longevity innovation um, is genetic and gene therapy. Finally, the first time in human history, we can amend our DNA to prevent not only uh, rare diseases or genetic diseases, but work with the, you know, really large scale uh, problems and challenges and diseases that we have, like, you know, diabetes, heart disease as well. And it's going to affect, yeah, dementia. Uh, uh, it's going to affect billions of people on, uh, on earth. Obviously, we need to be careful. There are a lot of ethical and, and, and societal implication and barriers on that way. Uh, but uh, I think it's, it's extremely promising and we're going to see a lot of it in uh, 10 years from now. It's really, really, really exciting. I just, I want to underline again, the, the, the fact that we can't, even with all of these exciting things on the horizon, we could skip the longevity bridge. In fact, I know there are people in longevity science who live really rough lives because they think they're going to have a new organ, you know, pretty soon, or a couple <laughs> of new, they're going to need a few new organs if they're living, like, you, you know. know. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to use the names, but I know people who actually like, it's probably around 10 to 15% of the longevity community. Like they would drink a lot of sugary drinks, a lot of alcohol. I'm like, guys, are you bloody crazy? I mean, you're working in longevity. You need to look young. Yeah. And they're like, no, Sergey, this is all for you. You need to be uh, like, we don't care. In five years time, we're going to have a magic feel and that's it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's funny in a way, but also it's, it's a reflection of how promising uh, all of the things that are happening in this world today. Yeah, it's pretty extraordinary. Well, listen, Sergey, it was so fun to, to be with you and I look forward to having another 
I should have started this conversation with buckle up everybody because it was it was just a big tour de force of where we're headed, but also just a lot of positivity. I'm ex I, I love your energy. I love your enthusiasm. I love that your your commit your your commitment to making the the world a better place, not just you know not just you and those surrounding you, but all of us. It just it feels so good. And your commitment to what we need to be doing right here, which is very much in alignment, you know, with what I'm about and, and what a lot of our listeners in functional medicine are about. So listen, thank you so much for joining me again. And it's to be continued. Thank you, Kara. Thanks to yeah, thanks to you for all the work you're doing and all our audience. I mean, this is amazing. It's it's really collective effort. And uh, for someone who wants to follow me, it's yes. Sergey Young to on Twitter and Instagram. And if you want to know more, uh, about longevity technologies and science from the uh, eyes of investor, go to Amazon and it's called the science and technology of growing young book. Um, enjoy. Let me, and let me say that that will be on our show notes. We'll link to his book. It's such a great book. Um, and your own kind of approaches in there as well. And we will, all your, all your social and how people can find you. you. You have a really fun, very active Instagram. You talk to a lot of really famous thought leaders in longevity. So. Um, we'll make sure that everything is in the show notes, folks. Thank you. Okay. Thank Thanks, you, As always, thank you for listening to New Frontiers in Functional Medicine, where because of my sponsors, I am able to bring you the best minds in functional medicine. And of course, today is no exception. Not everybody can be a sponsor on my platform. So I appreciate the good work, the relentless research, and the generous support from my friends at Rupa Health, Biotics Research, and Integrative Therapeutics. These are brands I know and trust in my own clinic, and I can confidently recommend them to you. Visit them at rupahealth.com, bioticsresearch.com, and integrativepro.com. And please let them know that you learned about them on New Frontiers. And if it's not too much to ask, I would really appreciate a thumbs up or a kind review wherever you're listening to New Frontiers. Thanks.